You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You are now entering Magnified Studios. Welcome. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents It's Hard to Find a Podcast, covering your favorite indie bands from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Put your tape decks on record. I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. And we are covering one of our favorite indie bands Hell yeah, from the are. 2000s Christian alternative scene. Yeah, you know, 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I think it. I think it counts. Sure. Good um, enough. Yeah, I've not been this pumped uh, this season since the beginning when we were talking Pedro. Um, I have just been a bunch of filler guys. <laughs> a bunch of bullshit. Who no, no, no. Just in terms of importance to your boys. Uh, yeah, telling you. Before we started that I've got just pages of notes for this one. So buckle up, everybody. This is going to be one of those episodes where John goes on a tear. And <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you you covered it. Good. <laughs> All right. That's, I mean, I, I you'll have you'll have insight of your own to bring. No doubt. Um, but well, yeah, I got a lot of I got a lot of talking. Got to do some rapper baby buggy bumpers, some warm ups here. Get loose. <laughs> sure. Um, what I'm doing to get loose is. I'm having a little bit of Sauvignon Blanc because Ooh. as I've um, said many times on the pod, summer is the time when I consume most of the white wine that I will consume in the year. Mm-hmm. I love a crisp white, um, sure. which is uh, what they called me in high school. Um, <laughs> hey, here comes crisp, crisp white, crisp white. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's been it's been in the 80s here. I don't know about in here too in Palatine. Yeah, it's last few days been beautiful. It's going back beautiful. down to like the 50s next week. But I I know I know it's like what a beautiful week. I've been inside at work, uh, <laughs> n- nowhere nowhere near a window, and then it's like here oh, comes man. here comes the weekend. Oh, it's going to rain <laughs> yeah. and then get down into the 30s? <laughs> cool. Cool. I um, love this. Yeah, it's uh, it's been nice uh, to not be working. I got to say, yeah. not to rub it in these last few days because <laughs> I'm just like, ah, prepare for the podcast. I can do it outside. Um, yeah. It's almost Johnny in a hammock season. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about getting that hammock out of the garage, but I was like, oh, it's going to get cold again. But man, I can't wait. Just hole up in that in that hammock all day long. Uh, bringing some crisp whites my way, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, you had a you had a cab sav last week, sav yeah. blanc this week. Uh, yeah. I mean, what what a great life. Um, well, this week, as I alluded to, mm-hmm. I was supposed to be doing a, a little solo cabin stay right in my cabin core record, uh, up in Eau Claire and in, in Bonavere country. Um, but uh, instead, uh, got canceled the morning of. Don't love that for my for my dude. 
No, I was waiting for you. I thought you were pulling I, up a dun, 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 dun. I, I was trying to find it. Okay. I just couldn't find it. I gave I a little pause it. there because I couldn't I was find like... it in time. <laughs> I knew um, you were I knew you were trying. Uh, I appreciate the effort. <laughs> John, you're saying that your trip got canceled? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Nailed it. Yeah. Um yes, the uh the morning that I was supposed to leave for the trip, uh, I got a text saying your trip has been canceled. And I was like, uh, so it turns out they, the day before had encountered some disastrous water treatment issue with the house. Um, so I guess don't, it's good. Don't that want I, that. No, I guess it's good that I'm not the person who that happened to, but sure. it is a bummer that, uh, they're like, you know, five stars everywhere. People loving their stay. And I was like, oh, the day before I was supposed to do mine. Yeah. Got canceled. That's okay. I'm gonna do it again later. Um, you don't want to mess around with water shit. Like no, you, 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 not sure exactly what the situation was, but like when I see things about like water parasites and 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 bacteria in water, I'm just like, nah, nah, not I worth think, it. So it's like this tiny house, and so I think the like water system was like compost. Like so the. I said that weird. I was going to say compostable, mm-hmm. but like the so the compost. shower it was compost. <laughs> it, the the hardy puffs is a, this <laughs> tiny house is made of compost. Um, but it was like the, the like toilet instructions were very interesting. It was like you know move the blue flap forward and sit a little bit further on the seat to make sure that the waste and i was like mm, i'm a little intimidated by what's happening <laughs> but it's yeah so the the water of the shower runs through the whatever anyway that system was compromised which you don't want so no. it's all good um i will fortunately fortunately nothing else really um traumatic has happened this week so. <laughs> yeah so i was telling andrew that like it was ultimately good that i Stayed home because uh, Jenny got sick. Uh, strep is going around my kids' class. So she was like sore throat. Elliot was sick with like just cough and cold and that stuff. And then Milo, my other kid, was also just kind of sniffling and stuff. But then last night, just started like screaming. And like we had a terrible night of like calling the doctor in the middle of the night trying to figure out what was going on discharge started coming out of his ear uh having an ear infection so like i went and got an antibiotic in the middle of the night finally got him calmed down went to sleep in the morning went to the doctor and she's like oh yeah he ruptured his eardrum like so the the ear infection caused the eardrum to swell up like a balloon and then burst and like god no wonder he was yeah that's that's (laughs) terrible so (laughs) Imagine poor, being poor a little guy. kid. I know he just kept going, ouchie, ouchie, which was like breaking my heart. Yeah. Um, so he was just like not having a good time. And then that was keeping Elliot up because they share a room. So Elliot went into our bed. I slept out of the couch. It was just like, oh, it was a good thing that I stayed here for all yeah. this mess. Anyway, he's on meds now. He's he's doing okay. But uh, yeah, they said the hole in his eardrum should close up in the two <laughs> to three weeks. So I'm like, dear God, I hope so. Hate that um, sentence. Yeah, don't don't get a hole in your eardrum. That's I don't. My what is it about kids and ear infections? I got them all the time as a I kid did too, and Milo What's... did too. And he got this surgery when he was like a year and a half to get those tubes put in because he was getting them so much. Oh my god! And since then, he's only gotten like one. So it's weird that he had this like wild one out of nowhere now. But yeah, ear ear stuff and and tubes and rupturing things. It's all a bummer, but. 
anyway, uh, you know, the Lord wanted me here to help with my kid's <laughs> blood draining out of his ear. So that I think that's the takeaway for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so that's uh that's that's my news this week. Uh yeah, man. You know, as long as we busted out this price is right losing horn. <laughs> And, you know, we're already talking about some losing situations here. I think yeah. I think it's about time we get back into some more of the Losers Lounge. Sounds right. So, you know, we make this joke about the horny Pope um, <laughs> and the one religious leader I didn't expect to have some weird uh sexual misconduct weirdness is the Dalai Lama. Oh yeah. What the was... fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you I... should explain it and then I have something to share about it. But <laughs> yeah, so there's like I guess he was doing some sort of event and some kid wanted to like give him a hug or something and then like the Dalai Lama told him like to give him a kiss and then he told the kid to suck on his tongue suck his tongue yeah and then you know and then i saw people describing the apology that was posted on his twitter is like you know just your basic like notes app apology yeah it's just like sorry if you were offended that i told the kid to suck on my tongue yeah, it's like, I'm sorry that people, you know, like, this is, you know, I regret it. It's like, do, do better. This is not okay. Yeah, I I read something that was, like, sort of defending it, as in, like, there is a sort of Tibetan Tra- tradition, tradition, like, sticking out your tongue or whatever. Right. But I'm like, that feels different from asking a kid to suck on it. I don't that's know. That's like, that. I mean, but that's like saying... That's like saying, you know, in the United States, we have a, uh, you know, tradition of like extending our hand to shake someone's hand. And it's <laughs> right. like, and, and then, then like it. shoving it down someone's <laughs> pants. You know, it's like, yeah, that's not. <laughs> no. And then it was like, you know, his English isn't great. So like, maybe he didn't mean to say that exactly. Uh, like, I don't uh, know. I don't really buy any of this. No. Um, no. So I don't know. Dalai Lama, you're in the doghouse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. And. What is the kid like? Even if it's supposed to be like a joke, it's like, right. you know what? I don't joke about like uh, sexual interactions right. with yeah. children. That's right. not, that's not, no. I don't know. Maybe that's the Dalai Lama's humor, you know, that he's just like, LOL. he's just a classic troller, that guy. <laughs> um, just, you know, big, uh, big bummer. And yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on there, but uh, yeah leave leave the Dalai Lama's tongue at, at your mouth, everyone, even <laughs> if he tells you otherwise. Um, another religious leader um, had some problems this week uh, from your perspective. <laughs> yeah. So was that, was that good? A good leader? Sure. Sure. Good enough. Good enough. Um, maybe, maybe less surprising in this case. But... Yeah. Less surprising from, you know, the, I don't know if you want to call him a neo-Calvinist or sure. new Calvinist or whatever you want to call, call him. But this tweet that he sent out, it, it said, to truly become Christians, we must also repent of the reasons we ever did anything right, because even those reasons are tainted. Hmm. Um, what a miserable existence yeah. this, this theology is. 
Yeah. To exist in a world where you're never good enough. The the foundation of your understanding of uh, trying to live a moral or ethical life, you're a disaster and you're and you're totally depraved and, and you're a fuck up no matter what you do. Yeah. And so like to truly become Christian in his mind means to just perpetually be in a cycle of self-hatred. I would call it. They would probably mm-hmm. call it repentance. Um, right. But if yeah. every single aspect of your life, you, you're just sizing up where you fall short. Um, yeah. Even, even a good thing because it's tainted somehow. And this is the kind of stuff, as I said in my Instagram post, that made me hate myself as a kid. That yeah. I just never felt like I could. I was good enough i was i was a sinner i couldn't stop and i was just constantly trying caught in this cycle of like unsure if i was doing the right thing or if i was sinning or i don't want to live that life anymore and giving up so much of that i think is a was a starting place for me to kind of work through how Mm. i see myself and how i think about myself but kind of going off of what I talked about in a, pr- a previous episode about that guy that TikTok about that guy who's like praying for this person to give up their right. their sexual desires and it's like it's like it's you and right. it's just it bums me out that people would move through their life feeling just not good about anything they do even if it's right. objectively like a good thing that they did because and like he doesn't i don't know like i'd like to see some more about what he thinks is what he means by something's tainted that like sure like i don't know maybe he has weird ass motivations for stuff that he does but right yeah i don't know this is like what i always think about when like um you know fill in the blank uh conservatives or evangelicals or whomever sort of make like a bad faith argument about right. all people yes <laughs> where i'm like you're showing your ass a little by being like <laughs> yeah. well we're all terrible because none of us want to make decisions to actually help people uh we're only doing that because we're virtue signaling or whatever and i'm just like that really bums me out that there's not like room in your understanding of the world that like people you know are either inherently good or are capable of doing good things for the sake of goodness and like trying to be a good person and help other people without any religious motivation behind it so right. i don't know i just a i get bummed out by the idea of like you can't it's not in your capacity to like understand that we might actually have pure good motivations for the things that we do. Um, and B that like, yeah, it's just so um, like lacking in any grace of any kind. And I don't know. I, I, I can remember like as a person in my early twenties being exposed to more people's faith experiences that mm-hmm. like, Oh, I had this notion that like, to be Christian meant just a life of just failure because you're never going to be able to do what you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. as a Christ follower and friends being like, well, that doesn't seem very um, 
grace centered, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which the gospel is centered in grace. And if you are free uh, to serve and love others, then why do you have it in your head that like you must constantly be failing? Like instead of seeing it, I'll never be able to live up to it. Can't you see it in the like, but you've been freed to do these good things and God finds you inherently good. And I don't know. I feel like I really got a a moment of clarity with that where I'm like, Oh, I've been like Mm -hmm. bumming myself out for years by like trapping you into this narrow view of like, you're bad and you're always going to be bad. And I don't know. It's like, there's, there's more room. There's so much more room for goodness than that narrow thinking puts forth. Uh, You're you're saying that, uh, the 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 Christian right is not uh, looking at things with a lot of nuance. It is weird. That is because that's unlike them. It's so unusual. Um, I know. You know, it's like um, it's like that stupid. You talk about bad faith arguments when you hear like like you know how do you have any sense of morality without God? Like, right, right, right. If you're yeah. not a Christian, like what's stopping you from going out and raping and murdering? <laughs> right. It's like, like that's. Ooh that uh, talk about showing your ass right we just got a little window into your brain (laughs) yeah it's like that's that's what you would that's what you your first thought is yeah that's not a a, weird take yeah i think i think you know this is true for everyone but this those people's religious experiences are molded around perhaps the understanding first that we are all like bad to begin with you know what i mean right then right you form your faith practice around that inherent belief like everybody's out to get you you're out to get everybody else it's a dog eat dog world versus just like what if we as people start from like a a, a starting position of like we we want to help other people and maybe we don't always pull it off but anyway uh tim keller don't come on the pod um Um, now that sound could apply to some of a band we've talked about a fair amount on the pod, Hmm. uh, over the years (laughs) in terms of some of their output, uh, notoriously including one album we've brought up many times. Um, but Metallica, Andrew has a new album out and we were talking about this off, off mic. I think on the whole, so that as we're recording, it comes out tomorrow. When this episode drops, it will already be out. So I'll be curious to hear folks' thoughts. But like, uh, on the whole, I think these four songs that they've released are like, they go pretty hard. I'm kind right. of into the vibe. Uh, I think I said two of the four I I like, and the other two I'm kind of lukewarm on. But I don't know. I like that they are just like, I mean, there's no ballads to be had on this album not that metallica can't throw down with a good ballad but like they're going right. hard and fast and it sounds pretty good a little and thrashy I like this. again a little thrashy into it i was telling you that uh last night they played on jimmy kimmel and they played the full version of master of puppets hell yeah and they shredded and yeah you know i was impressed with some of the minor adjustments that they did mm. to to the song and uh, Lars was getting very uh busy and playful on the kit. Okay. All right. You know? All right. Cool. He's uh, a <laughs> objectively the worst. Yeah, uh, he's not a, not a great figure. Um No, he's but a good drummer. I would even I would say like he's <sighs> People give him a lot of shit for his his drumming that he's you can find lots of videos of of uh of 
him playing in um like Metallica band practice and he's just like <laughs> uh fucking up and getting off time and like they're like you know the other guys are playing and they're like looking at him and he's just like so I don't know. Yeah. Well, um, the others are like virtuosos, and he's you know he's he's yeah. got a a, a sound. Um, he's got a he's got a sound. He's got a style. You know, yeah. he's one of those drummers that you're like, oh, I know, I know this. Uh, right. You can pick him out, pick him out by his style. So yeah, I'm interested to see. Um, the last handful of albums have been, uh, you know, they. Yeah. Yeah, and that 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 famously uh, terrible album that they did with uh, was it with Lou Reed? Oh yeah, um, right. I forgot about that. Lulu, Lulu, I think is what it was called. Yeah, that like that came out like over ten years ago. That like yeah. everybody hated. Yeah. Oh, forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll have I have to get everybody else's everybody else's thoughts. Yeah, I have uh, decent hopes for it. And they're a band I've never seen live. I've never been like way into them, but I've always liked them. And I'm like, I should probably see them. Uh, you know, they're they're not <laughs> young guys anymore. So maybe it's maybe yeah. it's time. Um, yeah, I think there's a handful of, of bands that, you know, we've had this conversation a number of times. Like, yep. what are the bands that you want to see before it's too late? Yeah, and I, I guess I never really think about Metallica. No, they, they've got a long been, way to go still, but they, there's, they've, it's never been like a one of those situations where I'm like, uh, lots of things because they've 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 played they've they were they've been in the Twin Cities in recent years and yeah, you know, I'm not just like dying to go because I'm typically not a like big stadium kind of yeah, right. arena concert goer yeah and you know you're not going to see most people's metallica experience is not going to be at you know the turf club or the fine right. <laughs> yeah or yeah. like 7th street um so they put some cool outdoor show or like they had some good opener i was excited about i, I could i could go to that um yeah. and paul simon uh on my list for a long mm. time and I finally saw him I don't know whenever that last record came out I guess that was a while ago but that was great and he just announced today as we're recording that he's got a new album coming out uh, wow. next month uh, which is pretty cool he's another dude who's releasing I think really great albums very late into his career um, <laughs> and you know a band comparable to Paul Simon in a lot of ways I guess you could say is uh, Baby Metal um, <laughs> I just saw today that Baby Metal is touring which um, I I I watch that like chocolate video like once every couple months or so. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? I do not. You know the band I'm talking about? I do. I do. Okay, so they have a song that's like "Gimme Chocolate" or something, and it's like <laughs> just kind of gibberish. And like da 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 you. Um, and their whole thing is like you know the super hard thrashy sort of like verses, and then these um really poppy like sheen choruses um and these videos of them in like japan playing these huge stadiums i'm like this looks so fucking fun and i watched like a full video a full concert of them playing at the at the aragon in chicago and i was like man next time they come i might have to go see fucking baby metal and they're playing with death clock 
Oh like, shit, that rules. Which I don't do they like <clears throat> tour? Is that a thing? I missed out. Yes, they've they've <laughs> okay. they've done some they've done some shows. So did they project like the animated band on a screen or something? I think so. Okay. I think so. But you know, they're they're on stage. The dudes yeah, are on yeah. stage. I think they're maybe kind of in the shadows or something, but like Okay. Um, but Death Clock and Baby Metal together might might be enough. And they're coming to Minneapolis and Chicago for what it's worth. So this is I, I thought you were gonna say gimme pizza. Gimme right. pizza. When super giant pizza. Plain. Nothing on it. And I'd like that delivered as soon as possible. Girls, your pizza's here. Thank you. <laughs> this is a jam. Olsen Twins coming in with a bunch okay, of uh, takeout. Out the refrigerator. I think we're just about ready to build the perfect pizza. Give me pizza! Hell yeah. P-I-Z-Z-A. It's a jam. P-I-Z-Z-A. Now we're feeling kind of hungry. We got mega munchies. Time to make our pizza. They got some munchies. How much pizza? It's kind of a jam. Um, can you do me a favor the and slow down version? Yes, look up the slow down version, please. <laughs> Give me pizza. I have to fast forward a little. Okay, guys. Give me pizza. Yeah. P-I-C-C-A. Give me pizza. Um. Did I happen to say? The rules. It's a jam. It this sounds is... like some like early '90s like diggable planets or something. It's like, I'm down with this. <laughs> this is this slowed down version is bordering on Tom Waits. <laughs> if you just if, if you just take the 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 vocals out. Okay, last thing. Just throw on a little gimme chocolate so that the people can can hear a little of this. This is like we 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 normally you know skirt that copyright line. This is like the kind of thing that's really yeah or... get, getting people's attention. But uh, just a little slice of this thing. Well, you know, I have heard this. I mean, it's pretty fun, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of rules. You tell me you wouldn't have a good time watching oh, I, that I live. Have a, I have, a, have a great time. How dare I'm you? I'm just talking to the universe. I mean, everyone, oh. everyone <laughs> oh, wants sure, sure, to sure. experience that live, right? So anyway, see oh, you all yeah. there. Um, all right, we've covered Baby Metal, Metallica, Tim Keller, the Dalai Lama. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to run down in our week of pop culture updates? Uh. I think we've I think we've covered all the important. We covered stuff. it. Yeah, I think we got <laughs> it. Yeah, I think no, we covered I it. I think we got. Um, it. Did I happen to say? Gamer <laughs> <laughs> pizza. <laughs> what a jam! Olsen twins make a new album. That's what I'm saying. Are you ready to play? <laughs> um. Well, I'm ready to play oh. in the sense that I'm ready. To start talking about this week's album and this week's band. Ooh, talking about our, our boys on a follow, my dude? That's right. Uh, should, we, should we take a little break and then come back and get into this floating world? I think we should, man. 
Let's do it. Hey guys, my name is Matt Langston. I am a music producer, a mix engineer, and an avid unicorn enthusiast. And I would like to invite you over to my podcast, Eleven D Life. On Eleven D Life, we get to talk to your favorite artists, producers, and creators about what makes them tick. We take deep dives into where they get their juiciest inspirations from and how they keep from being cynical about all of it. We even get to pull back the curtain on my band, Eleven D Seven, and share some fun insider tips and tricks for our fellow bandmates and creators out there. So be sure to check out 11D Life right here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network and wherever you get your favorite shows. We're back. Fuck. I'm so excited <laughs> to talk about this. John, uh, we're talking on Othello, talking Floating yes. World. Yes. We have brought our glockenspiels with us <laughs> for this yeah. episode. Nothing uh, nothing like taking notes on Othello to really test my uh, ability to spell glockenspiel repeatedly <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, so we got our we got our glockenspiels. We got our just like twenty feet of chain. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe some balloons to pop. We got, we got some. Uh, we got our like wooden floorboard stages for the Hell stomping. Yeah. Oh man, what a great time! Yeah, we're um, good. Yeah, I was uh, I was telling you this before we started recording, but I I don't think I've been this hyped this season to talk about a band since we started out with Pedro mm. um, where I also just had endless amounts of notes on my connection to those albums. And uh, we're right back, right back there uh, with this band, uh, these couple weeks for me, baby. Mm. Um, this is a band that is very important to both of us mm-hmm. that we have some personal connections to. And I don't know, you know, we've talked about the season where we're, we're in a niche within a niche um we're probably going even nichier this time i don't know um i'm 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 curious to see the extent to which on uh resonates for other folks or if they yeah. have a similar experience and how they permeated the this subculture of yeah uh, of christian music but because you know we had people some pa- the patreon punks in our discord yeah we're talking about how yep. um i can't remember who it was that said they saw them like they saw them like twenty times. or just yeah. saw them. A I think bunch. Aaron, our dude Aaron Quillen. Sure. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Very into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we've had several folks in the Discord be like, "Oh, we're, we're really pumped to talk on Othello." So, right. I think the pocket of people who are into them are very into them. I don't know that they sort of. I don't know. It's weird because, like, I was gonna say broke through, but I think in some ways this is like one of the more commercial bands we've actually covered this season. They had a level <laughs> of success that mm, a yeah. lot of the bands we talked about have not. Uh let's say Morales Forest was not thrown down on American Express and Vix commercials. Um <laughs> I did I do have that that Vix commercial perfect. locked and loaded. I'm glad. Um and yeah they were signed to a label that distributed their album through Sony BMG. So like they had I mean they you know we'll we'll get into it. But they had success um but weirdly kind of as you were alluding to like they definitely very much came out of the christian world but were never like 
it's that weird tension of like i think this is some of the most christian songwriting we've covered on the podcast in terms of its mm. sort of like sophistication and interesting wrestling with faith themes but it's like very literary and maybe like yeah. challenging for certain people and not super clear so they were certainly never sort of evangelical in their structure of songwriting and, and thematics and stuff like that even though they very much were mm. always maybe more christian in their songwriting than a lot of other bands from this world so yeah they kind of have an interesting spot among like um you know they they played with like Sufjan and I think of them sort of being more in that sort of moment in the 2000s of like these bands that sort of skirted the line between those worlds um but uh yes been very excited to cover them so I hope people are into this even if they don't know them if they hear some of this and are excited to give them more of a chance because one thing I'll say up top is like it's going to kind of be impossible to go through these songs in the way that we <laughs> normally yeah. do where most of the bands that we cover it's like verse chorus verse bridge hey can you play the bridge on this one yeah there's almost no songs that go by that structure uh on this album and a lot and, of them are like five or six minutes long yeah they're long they have like many movements within the songs yes. they change yes. dramatically so you might hear right. a minute or two and have a very different sense of where the song will go by minute six or whatever yeah so yeah i'm just going to be doing a lot of like Let's just hear a little bit of this part and then a little bit right. of this part. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I would just say if you like these snippets that we get to play on the pod, like please go check out the full albums for the experience of like really the journey that these songs take you on um, on all of the records of theirs. But I'll just say, you know, up top personally, this is my favorite album of theirs. And it's probably, I mean, it's one of my favorite albums we've ever talked about on the podcast. I think that's, Fair to say. Um, so our plan is to cover Floating World this week, Canopy Glow next week, which are their two sort of major national releases, and then talk about the EP Holiday at the Sea on the Patreon next week, which also means a lot to both of us. And I think yep. was the one of their EPs that sort of broke through. Yeah. Um, yes. And the, the thing, John, that um, little update on holiday at the sea mm-hmm. that that ep is not on streaming right you cannot buy the uh, mp3s anywhere um none of us even though we love this ep uh none of us can seem to locate any of the songs yeah um i have a cd somewhere in a box but that's not yeah. even really gonna help us out right i now. know and and my i talked i texted uh my brother today and was like do you have any idea where this is and he's like you know it's one of those things i lost years ago that i haven't been able to find and yeah it, but anyway and I, I was i was telling you that i've been trying to find a copy used copy on discogs but anytime i f- find one it's like uh this is shipping from Japan. And I'm like, right. ah, God damn it. But yeah. anyway, I saw there's a copy for sale in the UK. Okay. And I emailed the dude today and I said, Hey, maybe a weird request, but if I buy this CD, would you be able to rip it and send me the MP3s before you mail it to me? Mm-hmm. So this guy is going to do just that. Nice. 
So we will have some high quality versions of those songs Perfect. as opposed to the questionable YouTube yeah. versions that are out yeah. there, which is the only thing I've been able to use to listen to. And yeah, they're fine. Right. But, you know, considering how much it means to us. Yeah. Um, we don't want to like do it a disservice, but yeah. So that will be yeah. for next week's Patreon and awesome. Um, yeah. So, but you also like, you know, next week we're gonna have a guest on, and we are indeed. And you were like, "Do you have these?" Yeah. He his answer was the same as the rest of us, which is yeah. like, "I gotta go check an old hard drive, and I probably have it somewhere." <laughs> um, which yeah. is so weird. It's so like, yeah, to think that we are all like, "Oh man, this EP rules," and like none of us have it. Yeah. Well. Yes, stay on the lookout for that Patreon episode. But I, I would also encourage folks, if the only thing you can find is Holiday at the Sea on YouTube, go check that out because it's just a really great collection right. of three songs, but they're all big, epic, long songs also. Yep, um, yep. But these two records, Floating World and Canopy Glow, are on streaming platforms, yep. easily findable. Floating World wasn't for a while. Um, and definitely go check those out. Um yeah, you'll see on Spotify that it says 2021. Right, right. Yeah. Which is not when the album came out. <laughs> no. So let's boost those numbers, folks. Go yeah, give the NFL is... a bump. Um, but uh, to give some context to the band, mm. Anathalo formed in 2000 in Mount Pleasant, Michigan. They would later move to Chicago. Uh, the name comes from the Greek word, meaning to renew, refresh, or bloom again. And that is certainly a consistent theme across a lot of their work. Um, lots of rich theological and literary thematic text to unpack in their lyrics. Uh, I will do our best, but there's a lot. Um, and also just really complex musically, you know, trying to mm. think of how to describe them. I think Baroque is a word that comes to mind, like orchestral mm -hmm. i mean they were certainly part of what was somewhat of like a wave of orchestral indie rock in the in the 2000s like again sufjan arcade fire vampire weekend there's probably more and that kind of sells short what they did uh it was very theatrical yes there were a lot of math rock elements um but they were all multi-instrumentalists um, most of the time there were seven or eight folks in the band and the songs are really complex. There's more movements within songs than there are verse chorus verse structures to them. Yeah. Um, so I just, there's a lot to, it's like daunting in a way that we've talked about some artists being daunting just in terms of like, I'm such a fan of them in terms of the sophistication of their musicianship and their lyricism <clears throat> that I'm like, I hope I even can like touch on this, but I'm not daunted in the same way because it like means so much to me. So it feels like fun to dive in. Even if I'm like, look, I'm only kind of scratching the surface of what these folks are capable of. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this will be the week where I say all of my cringy <laughs> things that I don't want to be embarrassing about when we <laughs> have a guest on next week uh -huh. because like, oh my god so good i know it it feels it feels embarrassing to do that to somebody uh <laughs> especially to somebody who like this is like very much far in their past at this point yeah, yeah and to be to have no chill 
because <laughs> neither of us had chill no, back in no, the day. No. And it's like, let's like try and be adults and <laughs> be like, I'm oh, an adult. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey Danny, welcome to the real world, jackass. <laughs> yeah. Uh that's how I always greet him. Um <laughs> yes, we should say Danny Bracken, uh a member, a longtime member of the band, and certainly a member for both of these records, was the guitar player and went to college with us and was buddies with us, um, and is a great dude. And I <laughs> I I knew him before I knew Anathello, but I certainly had no chill in the Anathello era in my interactions with him. Um, but he was always very nice about it. Um, but I believe there are only three constant members from the inception of the band the whole way through. And I think that was Matt Joint. Mm-hmm. So he's on lead vocals and guitar and piano. Brett Wallen uh, on trombone and percussion and Seth Walker on bass. Um, but like I said, they usually had seven or eight members. Um Everybody sang backing vocals and played percussion pretty much. They were all multi-instrumentalists and doing different instruments and hand claps and stomping and background vocals on pretty much every song. And, you know, you mentioned this, but the live experience was a major aspect of who they were as a band. Yeah, you can't separate. I I feel this is not to diminish the albums, but I feel like the primary way to have experienced Anathalo was live. Yeah. Uh, And again, I'm not trying to take away from the recordings, which are beautiful, but it's a completely different and all encompassing and overwhelming experience. Like the way you you've described like seeing Weezer, you're just Mm -hmm. like, this is like, I could have just put on the blue album and it was like, you know, not, as there's like no excitement it was just sort of like going through the motions this experience to me even this was even when i was still a christian i called i i called it a religious experience it felt like a religious experience yeah it felt overwhelming it felt Mm -hmm. awe-inspiring it felt captivating and joyful like Mm -hmm. and this this is all the stuff that i would not want to say to danny because i'd be embarrassed (laughs) but like it's it's genuine. I have like some, I have like some very concrete memories of like a show that I, that I saw mm-hmm. at North Park. But before we get to that, John, I think yes, I think we need to. I need to ask you a question, uh-huh. and it's when did you first hear of Anathalo? Um. Well, you and I and Danny worked together on our campus faith-based social justice magazine talking hands-on uh, bro talking hands-on magazine um talking hands-on mag.org that's right i wish it still existed it does not yeah. um we danny was our designer and he was a, a great yeah. designer and uh pulled off all kinds of cool stuff for us all the time um but spent many many long hours together uh, in the basement of this dorm where the offices were, where we put together the magazine. And we always did it this way where like when the issue in the early days, we had a print edition, but that mm-hmm. eventually just became online. And we'd basically stay up the whole night before the, uh, 
like drop date of when the issue would go live of the magazine. And that usually meant I was getting Danny all the like copy for articles, you know, at like midnight or whatever. And so we were designing and putting stuff into the computers, putting stuff into the computers. Sounds like an old person <laughs> thing to say um, <laughs> late into the How night. How do I? How do? <laughs> and that started, um, I don't know, sophomore year. So what's that like 2002 ish? And as I was getting to know Danny, I got to know that he was in this band on Othello. And I really think that was the first time I'd ever heard of them. Mm. Um, and the more that I got to know Danny and the more that I got to know the band, I was kind of like, this is a, actually a pretty big deal band. Um, so I think that would have been around Sparrows coming out. I'm pretty mm. sure. Um, and then I think they were putting out hymns. Uh, so those, those are both EPs of theirs. Um around the time that they came to North Park and played a show there while we were all students there. Um, and I remember doing an article uh, on them for the paper. Um, was this the show that was like upstairs in like the yes. art building? Yeah, Hanson Hall. That was That is my memory of like my most concrete <laughs> yeah. show experience of them and just yeah. like, so cool feeling super overwhelmed yeah uh, at that show <laughs> yeah it was amazing so by the time they came to campus i was like very pumped for them and knew about them and yeah. that would have been in like oh three oh four so that's that's around the time i got way into them and then from then on i was just like seeing them every chance i could um was that more or less the same for you well you know the first time i saw them was not that show it was if I'm remembering correctly, I think I was introduced to them by John Ecker. Okay. That sounds uh, right. He had invited me. He's like wanting to go to this show um, to see them. I hadn't heard them or heard of them at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was at some small place in Lombard, Illinois. Okay. And so it was a small room too. And and you got like seven or eight members of a band. Right. Yeah. And so keep in mind, this was early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing this band of a bunch of people. They're pulling out horns. And I remember <laughs> some hearing somebody say to their friends, like, is this a ska band? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because so, this is like not too many years after like the big ska boom. Right. And so like seeing like seven or eight people pulling out like a trombone and, and you know, you know, you're just like, what's going what on are we here? getting into? What are we yeah. getting into? And so that was my first, uh, my first experience. And I wish, I think, cause I think this was around holiday at the sea mm -hmm. era for, okay. cause when did that, when did that come out? That was, uh, that was, was that? 2003. So yeah. yeah, I guess that would have been around the same time. Around the same time. So, because I feel like it wasn't too long after that that it was the that Hanson Hall show. Right. Yeah, that would have been right around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like immediately, immediately smitten. Yeah. Because it was something that like I had never heard before. Yeah. I'd totally. not seen or heard or experienced that level of putting your entire body literally into the rhythm and the the intensity of, of yeah. how they were all like screaming and singing and yeah. like, I was just like, Oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is, 
not like anything I've ever witnessed live. Yeah, they, I mean, they, there were lots of drums, big, big bass drums that if I recall yeah. correctly, they'd like reuse from finding in dumpsters and, stuff, and just like pounding on these giant beating the shitty shit. beaten drums. Yeah. Beating the um, shit out of them. Just yeah, like really going yeah. hard. Beating the drums, lots of horns, as you mentioned, bells, glockenspiel and mallets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there would be like four people on like two giant bass drums or toms yeah doing these elaborate like percussive rhythms together there'd be another few people doing these hand claps yeah and stomping rhythms together and they were all just shouting at the top of their lungs like you were saying <laughs> but in a like very melodious way and yeah. yeah their songs really they all like i said are kind of these movements of like um there'd be sort of like dark atonal passages that moved into like these ecstatic release elements of, of the songs that kind of like these transcendent moments, which I think is what you're alluding to of people. Yeah. Uh, some people in the discord were calling them like worshipful experiences. You're talking about a, wor yeah. a religious experience. One of the like comparable things I can think of seeing Sigurose live, mm -hmm. like around the same time and just being so blown away by the like transcendent, feeling of mm. it and like i think Anathello captures that same feeling of just like i'm i'm like witnessing something live that's like moving me with the power of its musicality and these people in front of me doing this thing and i don't know yes. it, it's 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 kind of hard to describe but i do think visceral is another word i would very say very visceral and just fun like it wasn't like yeah. you came away being like uh, these 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 hipsters it's so like arty <laughs> there was there was art to it but it was like it had the fun of like a hardcore show or something because everybody yeah. was like sweaty and like <laughs> the shows were just always such a good time so i think you left just feeling on a high of like yeah seeing these songs performed live um they do like these dance movements together sometimes like we said the, the the percussion included like i remember balloons popping like in rhythm they'd bring out these balloons and pop them they'd tear pages out of books to like the beat there's just like i don't know all these really impressive syncopated percussion things they do in unison together um and yeah multiple people drumming or clapping or doing all these things just exactly in sync which is always impressive um but yeah, they, they self-released the album Luminous Luminescence in the Atlas position in 2001. And that sort of set the tone for them where it was like the packaging was handcrafted by the band with this like 20-page booklet that accompanied it. Um, then they released the album Sparrows, which is largely based on biblical themes on Salah records in 2002. And then, as we were saying, in 2003, they released the EP Holiday at the Sea on Salah as well. And Holiday at the Sea, we'll get into this, but that title comes from a, a C.S. Lewis quote. Um, and the packaging on the first pressing included a bag with dirt and seeds to plant, which is just <laughs> like awesome and very Anathala. Um, and then in 2004, they released the EP Hymns on Salah, which was all uh, reinterpretations of, of classic hymns. Um, but as we said, their most well-known records were the nationally released ones, Flooding World and Canopy Glow. Flooding World was initially self-released in 2006. And then they signed with the label Network, and it was re-released in 2007 with wider distribution through Sony BMG. Uh, Canopy Glow was released in 2008 on the indie label Anticon. Uh, and then they went on hiatus in 2009 and never reunited. Um, but as we were saying, they were kind of a band that 
that crossed over in the sense that they came out of playing Cornerstone for years and that whole scene, but went on to play Lollapalooza and Coachella and opened for Sufjan Stevens and went on world tours and um yeah. well Andrew yeah. Andrew Dost Andrew Dost on, yeah went on, went on to uh be a founding member of Fun indeed um, so yeah. you know like it's I can't I can't ever fault anybody for um moving on from a band and doing something different right. um but I will say like since they broke up you know we've had covid we had trump you know I think mm-hmm. it's uh, I think it's time for them to reunite and kind of write this yeah. this timeline. You know, I would really love that, man. Just saying that, like, ever since they broke up, things have kind of gone to shit. <laughs> it's gone downhill, yeah. So. Coincidence? Uh, <laughs> you be the judge. But yeah, Andrew Dust uh, in the band for nearly the entire run. Um, but yes, went on to co-found Fun with Jack Antonoff, who has basically reshaped pop music over the last decade or so yep. through his production work. So that's just a pretty wild direct connection. And I remember I saw Anathalo open for Fun before Fun blew up and was huge um but uh yeah just needless to say they've had connections to a lot of you know we mentioned uh several of the songs on this record were used in big time commercial campaigns uh (laughs) that brought them some wider recognition um but yeah i mean they were they were explicitly christian early on in terms of what we're talking about with like hymns and sparrows although as we said they were always more literary i think in their biblical allusions and things like that never proselytizing um and there were certainly always faith elements to their lyrics and themes throughout everything they did that never went away um even if it maybe became a little less obvious on the surface perhaps um but uh, yeah they, they straddled those worlds in a really interesting and unique way i think um so to talk about this record uh as we said self-released february 25th 2006 then re-released uh, by Sony BMG on Network Records on January 28, 2007. Uh, it was recorded at home, the liner notes say, by the band and Glenn Hills, who doesn't have any other credits. Um, the drums and electric guitars were recorded at Glow in the Dark Studios in Atlanta by Matt Goldman, who has a ton of production and engineering credits uh, that we'd be familiar with. Uh, Under Oath, Luxury, Copeland, Chariot, Pacifico, Amberlin, so some good cred there. Uh, it was mastered at Rodney Mills master house in Atlanta. Uh, it's credited to, uh, being written and performed by Matt, Brett, Seth, Danny, Andrew, and then folks we haven't mentioned, uh, Nathan Sandberg, Joel Thiel, and then additional musicians on the record, Erica Foreman and Jeremiah Johnson, uh, both would go on to join the band, uh, Glenn Hills, and then Chris Hatfield, Brian Sears, Morgan Stewart, and Israel Vasquez. Did you know Israel at all? I don't Random think, question. I don't think so. He was a good friend of Danny's, and I crossed paths with him a few times. Uh, good dude. But anyway, apparently he did some additional uh, musician work on the record. Um, and we should mention, for Flooding World, the design is such a cool yes. element of it. It was designed by Greg Leppert, and it was never pressed on vinyl, which is a tragedy. But sure the CD is. booklet was this intricately laser-cut artwork that was like it was it laser-cutted all these like paper-cut designs. There was a die-cut cardboard cover, and then under that would be like colored paper. But it was just like 
these really intricate cutouts and I would like get smushed in my CDs and I would be like, Oh no, the integrity of the little like folds are like being compromised. Um, so I tried to keep it the folds integrity. Um, so I know for a fact that this is still one of the CDs that I kept in a box in my laundry room, which I could find. Cause I'm like, I never want to get rid of this one. It's just so cool. Um, and it's this artwork of like, roots and wind blowing and flowers blooming and a dead dog in the center who plays a central role of the record. Um, and that artwork and that theme of this record is largely about resurrection. I would say, um, it's, it's a concept album in a lot of ways, uh, with a lot of the songs built around this Japanese folktale, which we'll get mm-hmm. into. Um, and the, the term floating world itself is apparently a translation of the Japanese term describing uh, urban culture in the Edo period of Japan in the 17th and 18th centuries, uh, particularly the pleasure-seeking aspects of urban culture at the time. So I'm not sure that that's the exact meaning here, but it is about old Japanese stories, so it's relevant, I think. Um, but yeah, most of the stories here seem to be in the voice of like characters from tales, and there's obvious like biblical passages here but there's also largely japanese folk tales and songs and yeah. japanese translations of bible passages yes um which means i will also try not butcher <laughs> some of the song titles yeah we'll, we'll do our best um i believe that came from matt spending some time in japan i can't remember the exact context of this but i think that's the case um and many of the songs sort of bleed into each other. It kind yeah. of feels like one comprehensive concept album. Uh, as you said, most of the songs are around six minutes long. Um, they all kind of have like, for the most part, like a section of tumult and heaviness and then give way to this, like, as I was saying, almost like euphoric seeming section. So all the sudden, all the, all the songs kind of take you on a journey. Yeah. Um, feels like every song could basically be like a college class worth of analysis. And so can't do it all, but I'm going to try. And I don't know. I, like I said, choosing what parts to play will be really hard because I just want to play every part of every song <laughs> because they change so much and they're all so good. So yes, I, I do my little rating system of yellow songs being the ones that I love it. Every single song here is yellow for me. There's no, there's nothing I'm lukewarm about. I love it all. So I'll do my best to try to control myself to not playing all six minutes of every song, but I do have some notes about like, I got to hear this part. So yes. Um, what do you think? Should I we, think it's uh, time to float. All right. Let's grab some balloons. We'll start floating. That's right. Uh, opening track. It's a short one. Yes. Uh, Ame. I believe so. Ame. A-M-E. Yeah. Let's do it. So what you got is just percussion and organ instrumental kind of increases in intensity along the way that's about half of it yeah it sort of evokes like a a rainstorm. Yes, maybe. I wrote the same thing in my notes. Um, yeah, it's a uh, like you said, just under a minute. It's you know this growing 
percussion that starts out like independent beats and then kind of grows in intensity until it's just sort of inundating with it, which does, you know, feel like a, a rainstorm or something. Um, I think it's a really cool mood setting way to open the record. It's like, it's yeah. pretty, but it's kind of eerie and foreboding and mm -hmm. we're a little bit like, Oh, what are we, what are we getting here? So into it. I'm into it as well. Uh, track two, Gennesaret going out over 30,000, 30,000 fathoms of water. Oh uh, my God. I'm getting <laughs> chills. <laughs> So good. Heart, I stood on the bottom, careless tip toes, splintering wood, water locking, break up, come back together, Gennesaret. good it's so good that sort of doomy foreboding mm. sound of of piano in the background during mm -hmm. that sort of transition to the next verse mm. yeah Doom. it's so cool yeah it's yeah it does give you a sense of i don't know i guess going from the beginning and then sort of transitioning into this yeah the song about 30,000 fathoms of water. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, what do you what do you make of what do you make of the song? Well, a couple things. I mean, you might hear that and think, "Oh, this is a sort of chill dark song." But uh we'll have to hear some other parts because it's these tense moments of minor chords that then like break way yeah. into major chords and you feel like the clouds parting all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Then it kind of goes back into moody and contemplative and ends there. Um, but Gennesaret was a region along the Sea of Galilee that mm -hmm. had rich soil, uh, soil being a theme of this record and I'd say a fair amount of Anathala stuff. Um, and it's where Jesus uh, and the disciples landed after he walked on water. I think there's clearly some references to that happening here. Um, I don't know exactly what's happening, but, you know, there are lines like he'd thrown his net over us, um, you know, the fishers of men idea. Right. Uh, clearly some Jesus and water themes, um, even if I don't exactly know the meaning. But I feel like the idea of opening with Gennesaret, you know, we're talking about water, the raindrops in the opening. It's this sort of, I think there are themes on the record of like, faith and um having faith in the face of sort of seeming darkness and like the story of jesus walking on the water and telling peter to walk and 
him not doing it and then them landing. And that's where everybody was asking Jesus to touch his cloak and stuff. It feels very like, um, I don't know, being faced with these sort of like overwhelming um, ideas and, and faith in what Jesus was offering folks being the thing that sort of um, carried through. And I think you can apply that theme to sort of where it goes with this Japanese folktale in certain ways. So I think it's an mm. interesting way to open the record by invoking directly a sort of gospel passage, even though, like I said, you wouldn't really know any of that from just looking at the lyrics. And I only know what Gennesaret is by like looking it up a long time ago and seeing like, yeah. oh, Sea, sea of Galilee, that all makes sense. So I don't know. What yeah. do you think? I think some of the other songs that, that have uh a more con uh, a connection to one of the the folk tales that we're talking about this one maybe maybe not so much sure um it's all very poetic and it's not like clear what he's saying i think even as they are often characters i think there's like times when they're taking this larger story and then applying it on a more sort of personal level so i don't know they're, like i said there's you could pour over this stuff a lot and find a lot here. Uh, and I like that about it. Um, but what I want to hear of is some there's some cool stuff that happens. Um, around the three minute mark, there's like, yeah, this tense moment that that breaks into sort of the clouds parting that I'd like to hear. I just love the like yeah this foreboding and then all of a sudden it gives way to like warm guitar strum yes. and you're just like oh and these like very bright sound right all these harmonized chorus of vocals coming in like it's just i don't know it i think i agree it, it doesn't um there are other songs that connect for me musically and thematically more as a song as the album goes on but i think it's a really great opening like full song i agree um uh, this one i like even more uh yep so hoodwink someday they will build monuments for us people like me walk out the dark before you walk Oh, 
my number three that's my number two okay yeah, the song, the song rules <laughs> so much um those foot stomps and yeah. hand claps come on like we were doing it we were doing it right <laughs> along with them there was a time when i could do it perfectly in sync with them when right. <laughs> when i was seeing them live a little less uh, a little less consistent these days but that was another like transcendent moment from their live show is just like yeah watching that part um Matt's voice sounds uh, unbelievable in this so song. Cool. It's so cool. I His love how vibrato he's like, is so good. Yeah. He's like, I think the closest thing I can compare some of his singing style to is Bjork. I, Ooh, think I love that. Yeah. I think he's got some like very yeah. dramatic and like, uh, I don't really know how else to describe the the comparison i don't i don't yeah. even know how to describe bjork's voice right right but like no, sort I... of like this dramatic histrionics and like yeah. like sort of uh, mellow and then like you know this like this sharp like uh i don't know it's yeah i don't have the i don't have the the words to describe it but i think it's a good comparison because i just don't have a brain that's like artistic enough to see the kinds of phrases that a Bjork or a Matt Joint writes and decide <laughs> to vocally perform it in the way that they choose to, which is like, this right. isn't following anything except their brain, like the right. rhythms that are inside of them. And I'd be like, how did you come up with the phrase it that way? Uh, yeah. Like musically. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's great. And, and uh, the song just goes so many different places. I tried to count, the different movements within the song. And I think there are 15. <laughs> um, this is one of the longer ones. Um, yeah. What is this one? Six. 548. Okay. So not even as long as others, but it's just like, it really goes on a journey. And like some of the songs kind of go back around musically, thematically to stuff that, you know, they'll return to something. And this one just kind of like keeps going different places. Um, another transcendent moment for me is the build out of darkness into light at around 315. And then it builds even more to an even more euphoric moment from like 350 to 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 four. Um so maybe maybe we hear about like 350 that section. Ugh. Uh. 
It's so good. So oh, good. man. <laughs> I don't have anything more to say than just how good is that? Um, but that soaring guitar, those pounding toms, it just, man, I don't know. I, euphoric is the word I keep coming back to, but it's just like, I feel like they'll come out of this sort of dark passage of a song and go to a place where I'm like, oh, wow, that that feels like really exciting and then like oh they're even gonna go on top of that with like an even more exciting movement after that and the song is just full of those for me um thematically uh so apparently this opening quote says, so never mind someday they will build monuments for us is based on a quote by adolf eichmann the planner of the nazi gas chambers this is um, yeah this is what i'm uh seeing as yeah uh attributed and i'm trying to like you ver- verify that i'm you trying can't... there's not really a direct quote and that's not something that f- that's from the liner notes that's just sort of speculation online but what i did find was that this idea of little eichmann's came to be a term meaning people whose actions may seem relatively harmless to themselves on an individual scale but taken collectively are complicit in destructive systems mm. and i've seen things written about Eichmann and this idea of like little Eichmann's Mm. being called like someday they will build monuments for us. Like this idea that um, you get, you, you, you think in your head that like what you're doing is something good sort of because of being so complicit in a system that you can't see overall is actually like a, a destructive or evil one. So I think it does make sense that there's that connection, although I don't know if it's like that direct exactly, but I could see that because like it seems to be sort of about the struggle to try to live a good life. Um, You know, he says, all all things are so bright and spiritual. These seeds are growing in extraordinary colors. I'm convinced even I believe that I have grown something. It's cased in light. So it's like whether you want to read that as somebody who's like, convince themselves that they're doing something good, even though they're like actually part of something harmful. Mm -hmm. Or if that's like the realization of someone coming to find like actual life um, and like what, what it means to partake in like good systems. Um, I don't know exactly, but I do think it's sort of wrestling with those questions of like choosing to, do good things with your life and what it means to live a life that people would build monuments for in good and bad ways. I don't know. What do you think? I've never heard that term little Eichmann's. Um, yeah, me neither. I think it's easy to find comparisons, you know, modern comparisons to the yeah people joining together for something they earnestly feel is for the greater good and are just collectively deceived by the uh, group think mm-hmm. and you know think about january 6th these people right. thought that they were participating in like his history they thought that this was right. going to be some sort of significant experience that they, that they would be remembered for like american right. heroes yep. and um no right and to see the kind of damage that has come out of out of this way of thinking and yeah yeah i saw i saw something recently the, the sort of like inverted pyramid with like the very base of the the tiny point of the pyramid um things that are like sort of 
conspiracies and as it tapers up and the base gets larger it moves from like things that are like from the very tip that are verifiably true and then moving up into getting into things that are like uh not verifiable necessarily but like don't do any harm like are Mm -hmm. pretty harmless and then you get to you know up to like the holocaust denial the QAnon stuff and like things that are like actively Mm -hmm. detrimental to the ways that people are choosing to think and harm themselves and other people as a um you know i i don't know exactly what the song is about but kind Mm -hmm. of going off what this initial quote yeah kind of where my mind goes yeah no i think that makes sense and i mean the song is called hoodwink which Mm. i don't know exactly what that means but would be very much in line with what you're talking about um yeah so yeah interesting stuff at the time i guess the closest thing would be i don't know like the iraq war would be sure the most relevant hoodwink of of that era right yeah 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 i don't know i don't know who knows by number This is definitely a top three contender for me. Um, this is one that I'm going to be annoying about and ask to hear multiple <laughs> portions of. There's this like, so we hear this kind of weird, murky part in this section, but there's this beautiful transition at two minutes um, to like a, a very different movement of the song. All of a sudden, it's like warm and hopeful. Ah, oh, so good. So then there's like a. Get it, Danny. Um, there's a long build in the next section to like a real release that's a highlight of the album for me as it's well. Full, full release. It's almost a full release, but then there's a full release at the ending. Uh, 
348, the next part I'd like to hear. Ah, oh, here we go, baby. So that's glorious but then the beginning of the song okay sorry you have more uh no 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 i mean there's one more thing i want to hear but go sure. ahead no 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 go for it go for it well so then another real album highlight for me is the song's ending which is this chanted japanese translation of psalm 139 um and that's at 440 Uh, so good. It's so outstanding. Ugh. And just imagine um, being in a crowd of people. Oof. They're all belting this from the stage. Ugh. It's so great. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, we described it a little bit already, but there's something to the idea of like being in a room together with people and you see these people leading something before you and it like goes through all these different like incarnations of like we've seen them perform this like dramatic dark section and we've watched the rise and fall of something and it does this big dramatic build like we heard with that release and then to end with this place where they're like shouting together melodically and like closing this thing together i don't know it just feels like this shared special experience um 100%. and what they're shouting along there is uh the the english translation of, of the japanese passages uh thou hast beset behind me and before and laid thine hand upon me um which is from the psalms like we said it just feels like a sort of beautiful hopeful ending after this journey of the song and sort of where it's taken us so i don't know i really really love this one um i've yeah. dominated though what do you have to say yeah the so like the beginning sort of like dissonant like mm -hmm. uh horns into ver the mm -hmm. ending with yeah major chords on guitar it's very different yeah. vibes and yes. feeling yeah from the start to the end yeah and i i love that about it i mean it feels like you know we said theatrical but it's like the same reason why you're so moved by like when you see a play live and it goes mm -hmm. and captures all these different emotions and um feels yeah, like there's, there's good resolution in the song yes totally it yeah it, it it flows together with the rest of the record but it feels like it stands on its own as kind of its own little um concept album song just as a as its own journey um many seeming biblical allusions here apart from you know the obvious psalms one um you know the ending verse being about god knowing you and taking care of you and then in the song he counts like one two three um, and then sort of says like commandments almost in, in the song, like those parts seem to be different aspects of following Jesus or having faith. Um, maybe it, it, they seem sort of like versions of things that, that Jesus says throughout the gospels. And then, you know, he says, close your eyes and feel alive. Did you really feel it in his side? Which is sort of a, 
doubting Thomas thing, maybe mm-hmm. again, the idea of like faith in the context of um, something being hard to believe or being overwhelming, sort of emphasizing the import the importance of of having faith in those situations. I don't know. That's kind of the best I can. <laughs> I can do really interesting though. It's very rich. Um, And again, I like that it's not like, well, this one's clearly about this. I'm like, oh, there's elements of this stuff in here. Um, But it kind of leaves you to to put the pieces together in a way. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, totally. Sometimes I'm like, what does this mean? But like, sometimes the words can just sound good and be pretty on their own. And I like getting sort of lost in the melody and not hung up on the words necessarily definitely which is not maybe what all bands want to hear but sure you can just experiencing the passion and matt's yeah voice and everybody else's voices that to me carries carries so much yeah no absolutely i i feel similarly i know a lot of the words just because i've listened to it so much but it's never like i'm gonna sing that catchy melody it's more just like you know the words take you on a mm-hmm. a journey and mm-hmm. if there are like catchy moments here they're in like another language or so yep um but uh you know which song i feel even better about mm. so can we see house with face covered that's right oh baby my body is ready I don't know, just a lot of different notes. They're not really doing it. Oh, hold on. No, they're kind of doing different things. Wait a second. Oh, it's picking up a little. They're all playing together. Come on, Danny. Hit us with that riff. Oh, it's so good. We'll get there, uh, John. We'll get there yeah, in a we second. Will. We will. But oh, it's so good. This is number my number one. one. Yeah. <laughs> mine too. Yeah. So good. Um, yes. It's so 
satisfying yeah as that clock and spiel rhythm comes together and takes shape and then that opening riff is just an all-timer um the seven eight time that's established as the <laughs> it's just like whoa this is not something you hear often um yeah. so i'm on board but then the hand claps come in and then that building symbol yep. into stomping and toms and horns and i'm just completely fully on board in the first minute of the song yeah and that the fluttering kind of trumpet I, I think it's trumpet i don't know if it's trumpet or trombone there's definitely a trombone it, in there at some point yeah and, <laughs> but there's like some sort of oh do, 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 do. yeah that's a trumpet yeah that's trumpet um it, that's oh, like so a good. it's a thing that i have come to associate with sufjan yes totally this feels uh, very sufjan adjacent yeah um, and i love it i love it too um but then uh it drops out to just it's, voice and piano it's next level it does which we heard some of there but this oh hana oh hana well, that, we gotta we'll, hear some we'll of that get, we'll get there fucking satisfying <laughs> it really is it's just like there's so many awesome uh contrapuntal is that contrapuntal like where there are two different two independent melodic lines happening simultaneously um vocally on mm-hmm. this album and like anytime there's one of those like so the ohana with the japanese under it and then like coming mm-hmm. together just like oh i love it when two distinct rhythms are overlaid on top of each other in this way that like comes together in such a satisfying way. I think the early two thousands were just, we were all primed for that. Yeah. So many like emo bands were doing that shit too. Like, yeah, for sure. uh, Like taking back Sunday and brand new and like all these bands that were like having like three separate parts, like going over the top of each other and just layered. They talked about sometimes being on bills with like essentially emo bands and kind of being like, we don't really fit with this. Like it makes sense that they were sort of lumped together sometimes, but they, I don't know, just it's own, it's its own thing. Um, so it, yeah, there, there is some, there is some context for like, like you're saying the early two thousands being like, Oh, you know, similar ground. Let's have them do a bill together, but they, it, they would stand out among those other bands also. Yep. Um, thematically here based on the poem with face covered from the book Japanese peasant songs um, the central theme of that 
poem and the song feels very in line with the the theme of the record, which is like this beautiful flower growing out of muddy water, you know, the idea of beauty coming from something that's seemingly dead or, or dirty or forgotten and this rebirth that comes from that. Um, they also, during that part where it drops out and it's just Matt and piano, the rest of the band would like drop over, (laughs) like kind of collapse the top half of their body and then slowly, come back up like flowers blooming which is just always <laughs> so fun and great i love them um and we should say this song uh was in an american express commercial that ran during the oscars so good for them get that bag get your money um i was very thrilled to start hearing this song on huge national uh tv campaigns so it makes me wonder how this sort of thing gets picked up yeah how who who in the like a and r like right is like all right so there's this band <laughs> out of, out of yeah. michigan you know who who's who's pitching this who is like i know that's like someone's job but it just right you know that no, there I... are like people in suits in a boardroom <laughs> listening to this and being like, like pigs in a pan <laughs> sorry <laughs> Can't not keep dropping Lonely Island references in the middle of this. Yeah, you know, they're in the boardroom. They're boiled goose. <laughs> not enough boiled goose references in this record. Boiled um, goose. Yeah, I heard that with uh, another song we'll get to that ended up in an ad campaign that mm-hmm. it was like some director from like New Zealand was doing the commercial and happened to have heard them and was just like, Hey, would you want to do this? And they were like, yeah, that would really help us actually. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I've thought at different points that I would love to be a music supervisor for movies and TV and stuff. Cause you're just listening to everything and just like right. indexing like, Oh, what would be cool for this kind of project? So I love the idea that somebody's just pouring through kind of independent releases and being like, this would be cool for like a, you know, <laughs> campaign related to like, themes of longing and transcendence or something. Um, I don't when know. I think of longing and transcendence. I think of, of American Express. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I just mean like the vibe that they're trying to capture and that with those campaigns. So yes, maybe it's gross, but I do appreciate that there's somebody somewhere that heard this and was just like, Oh shit, let's like give yeah. these guys some money. Glad anyway. I did. Yep. Good one. We're just playing the whole song. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Really, dude. You know, we haven't we haven't called out the bass. Much. Ooh, I love we've, that bass. We've called out a lot of the other stuff, but like, I feel like the bass can, is oftentimes in the uns, unsung hero. Yes. Because it's not as like in your face as the hand right. claps and the glockenspiel and the shouting yep. and the and all that stuff, but. Bass no. is there, steady, holding it down. Props to Seth because I think he does, I'm speaking as a bass player, what a lot of true bass players should do, and I am like not able to do, which is come up with a complete independent melody as a bass line that like complements the rest. I just find it really hard not to basically follow the melody of the guitar 
when I'm writing songs together and his bass is doing what everybody else is doing, which is just like, it's complete own separate thing, which works together. But these little flourishes that he'll come up with, it's just a baseline all on his own. That doesn't have to do with anything else that's happening. I'm like, that's so cool to hear that in your fucking jazz, bro. That's jazz, baby. That's That's what you know, that's what Matt Matt Joint would say at the beginning of every show. He'd be like, "Hey, it's fucking jazz, <laughs> it's baby. Fucking jazz, baby." You know, you know how Matt talked. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, the uh, fedora on and kind of <laughs> cigarette between he's his smoking bass cigarettes. Yeah. He's, it's it's dark, and then a spotlight <laughs> shines on him, and he's like, "That's jazz. It's fucking jazz, baby." <laughs> he does the um, jazz hands, flicks the cigarette into the audience, starts we, clapping. We are not even halfway through this record yet, <laughs> by the way. Yes. Uh, Hanasaka G- ha- You got Hana- it. Okay. Hanasaka Gigi. Yes. Four, a great win. <laughs> More ash. Yes. That bass, so sick. Yesterday, the land went dry. I sprinkled ash of money, birds learned over the yard. my number two this is your number two and this is my number three so we have the same three songs means we have the same three but as you're saying it's your number two i'm like "Mm, i might have fucked up (laughs) this might be my number two and hoodwinks my number three i don't know the point is this is the closest we've gotten to the same top three in a very long time which is interesting (laughs) because i wasn't really sure it was interesting (laughs) where we'd land but because they're all great for me, and so many of them could have qualified. Right. But I think once I thought about it, I was like, yeah, these three are the strongest. So I guess maybe that's true for others, uh, that they would agree with ours. But I don't know. I'm going to waffle on this a little bit, because I could definitely... <laughs> this song absolutely rules, so it, it very does. easily could be my number two. So I don't know. I, I guess I'll stick with mine, but let's say very close to being the exact same top three. Yeah. Um, so this is 
a four part song, but the last part is presented first on the record, which is, I said it was interesting. Um, <laughs> so we hear the ending of the story first, but like musically it makes sense the way that they decided to structure these. I don't know. I wonder, I wonder how that came to be. Like, did they, did they write it out in the four parts and then decide it works better in this order? Or was it like they wanted, like they started with the ending? I don't know. But like, I think it works. It flows together so well thematically on this record, even though the story is kind of told out of order. Um, but I love just this crashing drums, great guitar line in the opening, that little synth line that comes in. It's like, so great. And then obviously what we heard by the time the stomps and the claps, that come in with the background vocals, the ooh into yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, okay, well, top three. Um, so good. Just, yeah, really, really satisfying builds and releases again here, both dynamically and melodically. Just, yeah, what a great song. Well, we need to get to the end, too. Yes, let's hear it. Uh, it's so good and we haven't even shouted out that fucking drum intro so good yeah so good Love that. And then it just keeps going nuts throughout yeah, this. I love that it doesn't start with the downbeat of the guitar, but like the full let's do let's do fills for 10 seconds. Um <laughs> it's so good. Um so this would be the moment to kind of talk about what the central story at this uh, of this whole record is. Um, which at first I just like wrote it all out. And then I was like, eh, I'll I'm gonna try to summarize. I do, I do think it's important to like know what the the folk tale is at the center because i think it makes the whole thing make a little more sense so it's this traditional japanese folk tale the man who made dead trees bloom about a man named hanasaka gigi so there's an elderly couple with this beloved dog who would dig in the garden and find gold coins and then the jealous neighbor hanasaka gigi borrowed the dog and made it dig but when he did the dog found only bones uh so he killed the dog and lied to the neighbors about how it happened And the couple buried the dog under the tree where they found the treasure. The dog owner then dreamed that the dog told him to chop down the tree and turn the wood into a bowl for rice. So he did in real life. And when he used the bowl, the rice turned into gold. So then the neighbor borrowed the bowl, but for him, the rice turned into foul smelling berries. So he smashed and burned it and the wind blew the ashes around. So that's kind of the first half. And a couple of the songs address that. And then the dog owner has a dream where the dog told him to take the ashes and sprinkle them on dead cherry trees. And when he did this, they came into bloom. Uh, a daimyo or f- feudal landlord saw this and gave them gifts. 
And when the neighbor tried to do so with the ashes, they blew into the daimyo's eyes and the neighbor was banished from the village. Uh, I remember writing an article for Sojourner's magazine when I worked there about Anathalo, mm-hmm. which I would kind of be like embarrassed to go back and read at this point, probably. But I remember this line that I wrote in the article because it sticks with me so much where I said, the album is fertile ground for meditation on practicing resurrection. Mm. And I still feel that way when I think about it now, because like, I think there are allusions throughout to the resurrection story in the sense of like Jesus also being the man who makes dead things bloom, Mm. but also like what we can take away from that kind of story of blossoming from ashes in general and how we can apply that to like how we live into the societies we're, we're part of, um, versus like the selfishness and greed of, of the neighbor. So practicing resurrection in the sense of, okay, we, we, we take this idea and we try to make good things out of, you know, seemingly dead situations as opposed to trying to like capitalize on an opportunity by prioritizing yourself and your greed over like the the collective good. That's kind of how I, see that story and how it applies to like all the songs across the record. Even if it's like a specific story in these few songs, I feel like it, it goes across everything that they talk about on the album. Mm, yeah. Thoughts. Uh, <laughs> well, I do think few people know that this is actually uh, the story that inspired John wick, you know, kill, kill the dog, <laughs> kill his dog, kill his dog. And he's like, you know, this is, this is how it all started. Yeah, the neighbor uh, sprinkled the ash on cherry trees and then blew them all away. <laughs> I'm going to need a gun. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking I'm back. He's thinking the dog's back. Um, yes, great comparison. I love, I love the, I, you know, I, as somebody who doesn't know that entire, uh, that story, I just, I do think that's a, beautiful story do you know what era this is that's from or like what you know when um, that was first written i want to say like 13th century i think it's okay. like very old but i could okay. be wrong about that yeah the more things change the more they stay the same right think about oh. like oh here's here is a thing that um my neighbor has let me try and use it for my own selfish gain. And then right. when it doesn't work, I destroy it. So no one can have it. Yes. What a it's, piece of shit. So it's an old Japanese folktale, but it was collected first in 1871. So I don't know how old the actual story is, but at least these collections, there are a few different ones and that all seems to be 19th century. So I guess a lot later than I thought, but still like it, it feels like an ancient story that is applicable for hundreds of years afterward, regardless, as you're saying. So, yeah. Um, great stuff. And then we get to the first part yes. of the story in the next song. Yes. Hanasaka GG one colon the angry neighbor. Ugh, so good. Mm-hmm. 
so good so good the piano on like as we've said there are so many virtuosos and so many talented people in this band that i i could sing the praises of any particular musician on any given track and oh. sometimes there are certain elements that jump out to me more than others and i think the piano for whatever yeah. reason just sort of jumps out to me yeah on this track it just it's just very beautiful and you know when other things are kind of going nuts in the like the the symbol or the hi-hats going nuts and then the piano is just holding it down this very beautiful yeah. melodic totally yeah those ones where matt would be on the piano had like their own distinct vibe because i feel like it sort of lends to the almost like not musical theater but you know like the 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 theatrical experience we're talking about where he's mm -hmm. just like front and center with his piano and mm -hmm. kind of directing the song in that moment through being on piano. Like I remember they would speed up or slow down certain songs where he was leaning on piano um, to kind of vary it up for different shows. And this is one of them where he would kind of play around with that. Um, and there's a part in a little bit where they get to like, we're talking about the dog digging up stuff. And instead of finding coins, he finds slugs and bugs and slugs, slugs and, and blood. <laughs> yeah. And I remember them singing that live and like people laughing because they leaned into the kind of the theatricality of that part. Yeah. So it was just yeah. such a fun one. I remember like movements where they'd stop and start here. Um, yeah, this is definitely a top three contender for me. Love that vocal opening every what? song this is this could well be, i mean <laughs> i'm sorry it's true it's I true know. i'm just um the shit. this uh the like ah, 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 ah. i mean what a great opening so yeah. memorable and then the repeated like ooh, so catchy um again like talking about the way that they decide vocally to deliver some of these lyrics like the rhythm of it where it's like a mountain the riches yeah. the metal taste in my mouth for the riches. It's just like, yeah, so cool musically. And I love how poetically they tell the story here. Um, yeah. Yeah. The story is just like, told so talked, effectively. We've talked, we were just talking about this, like having the brain to yes. think about like, what if we sang this part like this? <laughs> right. I know. I don't know how people do that kind of thing. It just, I know. Yeah, and you have to have a special collection of people who can pull this off together. Right. Um, I always wonder about this though, with like such specifics. I assume it's one person who comes in, um, maybe usually Matt, I don't know, who's just like, This is the weird <laughs> melody we're doing, <laughs> and everybody just gets used to it and gets on board. Or if it is more collaborative, and they're like, Well, what if yeah. we did this part like this? I don't know. But I love the idea that there's so many complex things going and they're all just perfectly in sync with how to execute that together. I assume it took a lot of practice. Um, yeah. But I just, yeah, the, the way the song, again, theatrically sort of builds and then slows down and then speeds back up, these movements within within the song are so cool. And this one is, you know, the opening of the story told from the selfish neighbor's perspective. Um, I don't know. I think it's a really cool one. Agreed. Fuck that guy, though. <laughs> right. Enu, parentheses. Howling. Mm. Another uh, instrumental here, mainly. Just vocals and organ again. 
kind of like the first track, the sort of mood setting song. It's only a minute long. Cool. Cool. Effective. Yeah. Dark. Yeah. I think like the first track, it kind of serves to be a a mood setter. There's three songs on the record that are just kind of instrumentals and are more sort of mood setting and they sort of set the pace for the next section, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one, you know, I think it fits in the, fits in with the pace of how they broke up the Hanasaka Gigi story the howling like and the sound of the vocals could it be the dog howling in death could it be Mm -hmm. the couple howling in agony over the dead dog could it be the sound of the wind blowing the ashes or the spirit Mm -hmm. of the dog i don't know but like again it feels very theatrical and i could see this like being you know the score of like a play that's like transitioning between scenes or something that's being played like that that would make sense so it feels a little bit like that to me hanasaka gg two colon floating world
I really wanted to get to that part. It's a very important part. Um, uh, very Tom Waitsy. Very Tom Waits. <laughs> I wrote the same thing down. I love it. I love that part so much. But the I'm wondering if Matt was listening to a lot of Jeff Buckley during this era because mm, yes. that, that beginning that, part that, is yes. so totally. Jeff Buckley. And I'm the guitar so, and the vocal. So into it. The yeah, yeah. the falsetto and the mm-hmm. vibrato falsetto situation he had going on is so and uh, <laughs> Jeff Buckley. And You're I'm, saying I'm a so song good. that transitions from Jeff Buckley into Tom Waits. Like, no wonder <laughs> I love this so much. I know, right? <laughs> and how does one song encompass those? Uh, I don't know how it works. Disparate but... elements. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's so mournful and pretty. Yeah. And then we're in the, the junkyard all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're in the, the carnival junkyard. And... <laughs> yeah. Just stomping minor chord groove yeah. with like, funky horns like <laughs> like a theremin shows up yeah uh, it's so good um and then it's back to mournful and pretty yeah. and then we close again with like the wild carnival vibes <laughs> um and then it gets this cool ending with just the horns from that part um which was another fun part to watch live where they were just like doing the horns conducting all on their own without any other elements and just kind of kept going um great great song really cool um as far as like, you know, the name and the theme here, Floating World, uh, the titular track, I think we're talking about, you know, the smoke from the ashes rising into the air. He says, lifting to the air, the floating world to let them go silent into the ground where all things make work of coming back. Um, again, that theme of death and rebirth. And mm-hmm. I love that idea of like in the ground, all things make work of coming back. Like it's our yeah. sort of work to again, kind of practice resurrection in whatever way yeah. that might mean for you. But yeah, plants die and turn mm-hmm. to soil and then grow mm-hmm. new things. Yeah. Dead, dead animals mm-hmm. decompose, become part of the ground as well. You know, it's yep. all all part of the whole system. Yeah. So cool. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy that we get to go to the junkyard as part of that. <laughs> What's he building <laughs> And I swear the dog died that day. The bruised reed. Are you a bruised reed? Smoldering flax. Are you a broken branch? Oh, oh, oh. do you love them? Do you love to forget like I do? Oh, like I do. Like I do. Oh, like I do.
little waltzy thing going on there. So cool. This would probably be. <laughs> guess what? It's a top three contender. Um, no, it's probably like my number four. I feel like this okay. is just outside. I really, really love this one. This is one where like I again tried to count the different movements within the song, and I think there's ten. Okay. Um, this first part, like very propulsive, but like a kind of a searching melody. Mm-hmm. Second part, we were just hearing slows down with just the horns guiding this new waltzy time signature you're talking about, and then it pinks back up at a slower pace, then it slows down again with just the piano and voice. And then the whole thing builds back up in a really satisfying way. There's like this long dissonant build and then the piano cuts back through it with these gang vocals. If we could hear that part, I, I, I love that. That's another kind of favorite part of the record. Uh, 348. so much cool weird bass chords out of nowhere love that love it love it love it uh, i could listen to the rest of that so easily but just go listen to it there's these like you know we hear those jaunty horns and piano and then this like soaring guitar comes uh, but then it closes you out on like the searching sound again i just really love every twist that the song takes um it's so fun to follow um yeah. on the follow is an exercise in the slow burn yeah totally you're not you you don't there's not like always an immediate payoff at it like there's right. there's the there's the build up and then there's the release and then there's like you know the cool down and then something can build back up again right. and you're just totally. like oh shit yeah it's, it, there's it's just often <laughs> like the last 30 seconds of a 6 minute song where I'm like oh this is so cool <laughs> um i thought i knew where we were headed yeah um so uh, fucking wrong pro <laughs> yeah that's right uh lyrically the bruised reed uh based on isaiah 42 uh, a bruised reed he shall not break and a smoldering flax he shall not quench in faithfulness he will bring forth justice uh, essentially god won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt but will set things right and had in mind to bring redemption to the people in the land um mm. he also says in the song one will sift as wheat, but one has come with robes. And I believe that's an allusion to like in Luke 22, Jesus talks about how Satan wants to sift us like wheat or to shake our faith. Um, and the lyrics here counter that with Jesus in a robe, which I assume is a reference to salvation. So it's kind of like, again, this dichotomy of like somebody who comes to destroy versus somebody who comes to save. Um and then it closes with this interesting, this is when the like, when I speak, I cough them out. <laughs> um, <laughs> when I speak, I cough them out, gather them up in my arms and swallow them back down, which again, to me, I think is like tying together the themes of the album of like 
saving of giving to the land and the land giving back to us, creating land, the land dying, life coming back to the land, the cycle of redemption. I assume it's sort of like God speaking in that part. I don't know. I I just find so much to chew on here. And I don't even know if everything I'm saying is correct, but I feel like thematically it all hangs together in a really satisfying way for me, at least as I understand it. Yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. No, what else is good stuff? It's the next one. Yuki, Yuki, Yuki. Oh, man, I could yeah, go for some Vicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want me to, want me to rub your chest, bro? With a little... <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> a little vapor rub? Sounds great. This is the third minute-long instrumental track. We're not to the commercial part yet. No. That comes toward the ending, I think, right? Yeah. Shortly. Here we go. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Beautiful. I mean, it sounds like a nice commercial song <laughs> like you could hear that and see why it works uh but yeah it's just this like very chilled out instrumental this time again i feel like it each of those instrumentals marks the sort of movement of the album and the story and this one kind of ushers in this last section of the record which <clears throat> these four remaining songs are all like warm and pretty and simple compared to the rest of the record yeah. which this track is too and it's kind of a good place musically and thematically to end the story. Um, you just got these chilled out vibes this time. Like the, ooh, what is this, a Vicks ad? <laughs> it's actually a really cool commercial, right? I don't know, it's yeah. like loading stuff. Um, it's a like nice Vicks scene. Cough drops. Yeah, Vicks cough drops floating through the air. No matter what the cold season brings, oh, man. we've got you covered. <laughs> That's so cool. From our family to yours. I remember seeing that and just flipping out. Just like, (laughs) how cool is that? And like, I don't know, maybe if it was a band that I was like younger and didn't have a personal connection to, I'd be like, oh, they sold out. But I'm just like, good for you guys. Do it. People are loving this. uh, Yeah. This commercial in the comments here. They're like, one of the members was in fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, man. Yeah. So good. Yeah, this is all <laughs> I love Anathello. Love... <laughs> we love Anathello. I love Vix. We love Vix. Oh, cool. Yeah, nice. Uh yeah, this person's like a Vix commercial with music by Anathello, a deal that allows the band to remain free of label contracts and such. <laughs> well, yeah. Sure. I don't know if that's entirely true, but it, I yeah. guess it gave them <laughs> freedom to do Canopy Glow in a way that they would not have been able to do without yeah. this um yeah so props to vix i guess um but uh yeah i just i i love the the mallets and the piano and the warm horns here and mm-hmm. it's just sort of cozy and whimsical and it's a nice sort of respite among the rest of the album it is very cozy feels a little like the amelie soundtrack which i feel like was very <laughs> in at, at the time, time. Yes, yeah for sure. so i could see why they'd hear it and be like "Ooh, commercial potential <laughs> anyway hanasaki gigi 
three colon the man who made dead trees bloom Lots of um, interesting found, not found. I, I don't know how you would repurposing items to make them percussive and instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would mess with all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, I. Uh, th- I mean, this is one of the few songs that stays sort of warm and major chord rooted the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, these last few songs are shorter and simpler and kind of a good place to land after some of the like tumult and drama that we've been through the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sense as kind of a, a comforting song of blooming life coming to dead land, you know, closes with come green, the trees to bloom. Oh, Hannah buds split open, wash the heel of man and lick the wound. I just think it's really pretty musically and lyrically. And the, the Oh, Hannah thing is a re- repeated from earlier, which Ohana means oh flower. So it's like yeah. um, you know, this this theme of buds splitting open. Um one thing I meant to mention earlier, which I totally forgot to, is that uh I haven't talked on the pod yet about how I've decided to mark my 40th birthday by getting my second tattoo ever. Ooh. Uh the first one I got when I was 18 and now I'm 40. <laughs> and I'm gonna get it next week. So by the time we record the next pod, I will have my fresh ink. Mm. Um, but what I landed on and we've talked over the years a bit about what it would be if I decided to get one is this, uh, the verse about beating your swords into plowshares. So I eventually did land on this design with a, uh, an artist where it's like a hammer beating a sword into a plowshare on top of an anvil on top of a tree stump. And it feels very in line with the themes of the record to me where it's like taking tools meant for destruction mm-hmm. and repurposing them for the good of society. Um, so I just, I thought of that as we were listening to this and just like, it's a theme that means a lot to me to like try to take 
something destructive, kind of like what we were talking in the beginning, where it's like it's easy to slip into being part of a destructive force if you don't intentionally try and think about how your actions might counter that. So how can we, as a people, whether it's, you know, through your faith motivating you or just as a person in the world who wants to do good things, Tim Keller, um, <laughs> to, uh, to take that stuff that could be used for destruction and instead use it for sustaining life and, and sustaining people in society. So anyway, feels very in keeping with this record. Uh, I'll celebrate by uh, showing you my, my tat next week. Um, oh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I just, I love this idea of, uh, making the making the dead trees bloom and the and um, what what more appropriate time of year to discuss this than yes spring just right. coming off of easter yep um i can i can't help to but think of like so much uh conversation and discussion in this record about ashes and mm -hmm. yeah and, um and thinking about palms and those being mm -hmm. you know turned to ashes and the, the symbolism of of that and and That's you a great know point. yeah i wonder about this this uh also um imagery around trees and of course uh, oftentimes the cross being referred to as a tree and yeah mm -hmm. um it's interesting yeah there's this part that said you know, I saw a bone and a nail hooked and hanging from the foot of man. I knew he thought it dead. So I don't know if this is uh, again supposed to be more Jesus imagery that was nailed and uh, thought to be dead. And mm -hmm. then there's a, um, I knew he thought it dead when I could see it all the barren closed and dried ash took from my palm and danced down white. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe there's, yeah. maybe there's something there. Maybe I'm, getting into my youth group mode and being like it's jesus right the song's about jesus no i i think uh like um reverend lovejoy and the simpson says everything's <laughs> about jesus um <laughs> i think everything on this record is about jesus probably but again uh, we don't you wouldn't necessarily know that unless you were sort of looking for these themes which i appreciate um but yeah i, I think you're really right about this being a very like lenten uh collection of songs which i never really thought about that like um often people kind of do like here's you know five albums to listen to you know for lent or for easter or whatever i'm like this would make a really good sort of article about this song in context of sort of like holy week or that season or whatever mm. so anyway good thoughts love a thoughtful thought mm -hmm. um all right we got the penultimate mm -hmm. cuckoo spitting blood all night set home and I fell down in the corner of the field. Now all I can hear is Jeff Buckley. <laughs> Waking with a hundred grains, salt stains ringing round my legs, I could not face you.
beautiful song. Ugh, I love it. Um, the simplest song on the record, like just guitar notes and vocals. Yeah. Um, again, pretty and warm. Um, I don't know. Feels like a, again, kind of like a nice, not palate cleanser exactly, but ending after all this complicated movements to something kind of this simple yeah. and direct. Cool down. Yeah. Um, easing out of. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to something super mellow, like a cuckoo spitting blood. <laughs> um, apparently, so this was based on a poem from the book Japanese Death Poems, which is a metal title. Oh, a metal dude, that's our song. We had to start a band <laughs> called that. Japanese Death Poems. Um, uh, but a cuckoo spitting this blood. Was... Cuckoo spitting blood. <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> um, apparently, cuckoo spitting blood was used to reference uh tuberculosis in 19th century japan Oof. so a reference to somebody dying of that i believe in the song um i saw some speculation that this could be an interpretation of the prodigal son parable which i could hmm. see if you're looking at the lyrics there's definitely stuff about um not knowing your father and how to be a son and um maybe this is kind of the prodigal son in his like despairing moments sort of pre reconciliation. Um, I don't know. It, it's an interesting one. Um, melding these several hundred year old Japanese poems about death with gospel passages certainly seems in line <laughs> with the rest of the album. So that could be, but yeah, it's an interesting one. I remember when I took the gifts asking you for everything, throw your name in the well. Yeah, I can. I can. See that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nailed it. Here we are. We've reached the end. Yes. Uh, Casa no Hone. Yep. The Umbrella's Bones, cool. which is also pretty metal. <laughs> Oof. Crank that fuzz up. <laughs> Was this Joe Christmas? Morales Forest? No nightmares to be found on this record. <laughs> no. such a good ending song yeah i i say that after every song but this is it's such a perfect ending i love it so much i love the vibe it gives off just warm i love the warm keys and kind of electric piano sound underneath that chord progression is just like comforting (laughs) and then yeah those cool drums come in there's like this interesting syncopation alongside this pretty simple instrumentation and chord progression just like i don't know it really gives a nice vibe um so this is based on uh a song in 
the collection Japanese Peasant Songs. And the lyrics here are all in Japanese. And the English translation is, the ribs of the umbrella have fallen apart. The paper is also torn, but with bamboo tied together. Do not throw it away, though I also am torn. Don't desert me. Um, and I really love that it closes with, though I also am torn, you know, like the umbrella, don't desert me. It feels in keeping with the sort of like psalm-like nature of a lot of the albums, like this idea of God not forgetting broken or damaged things, um, which, you know, not to say like the, uh, oh, we're all just broken, but like the idea more of like, again, how can we take things that have been damaged in the like limitations of this world and, and be not forgotten, but sort of repaired, um, so I don't know. I find it a very like moving conclusion to this like complex and sprawling album to just be this kind of like warm, nice send off. I don't know. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it ends, it ends very simply. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been so much, so many theatrics and so much, so many things going on at the same time it's nice to end the album with like sort of a slow down and yeah Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Love it. Uh, I love this album very much. (laughs) Album fucking rules. Rules. I love this band. I don't know if everyone will love this album, this band as much as we do, but I sure hope they do. Mm. Uh, Really curious to hear folks' thoughts on this. Like if if they were sort of new for you, you didn't know them, if you had um, an experience of being moved by it as we are, or what you think. I don't know. They're... They are a unique artist among the artists we've covered on the pod for sure. Um, but they mean a lot. And it was a lot of fun going through this. Uh, yeah. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, let us know what you think at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or a review. We'll read your Apple Podcast review on the show. You can email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872 762 4763. 872 Seven Mag Pod can support us over at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnified pod, where next week we will be discussing the aforementioned Holiday at the Sea EP by Anathalo. And you can pick up some merch at uh, magnifiedpod.storyenvy.com. Thanks to Small Step Records for sponsoring us. Visit smallstepperecords.com to learn more. And thanks to Shadow Producer Jason and Bruno at Unoriginal Vinyl for our artwork. Well, I think I hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up. We'll be back to try to make you go straight next week when we'll have a special guest and discuss Anathalo's Canopy Glow. So never mind. Hell yeah. Someday they will build monuments for us. People like me walk out the door before you into the street. Hey John, can, can you pass, pass me my chain? <laughs> yeah. right, my... Here it comes. Alright. Indie
Sweet, sweet bass notes. Honestly, kind of rude of them not to reunite now and let us shout along to that live. Oh my God. Yeah. So we're going to spend all of next week just berating Danny. I'd like, you know, I know everybody is sort of like dispersed around the country, but like. And we got a lot of folks in Chicago here still from the band, I believe. Is uh is Matt still? Matt's Chicago? here. Not only is Matt here, he's uh he's doing a lot of really interesting. I think he does mm. like um. What did you say? You said I said it was interesting oh, he's that he's doing like a lot of music scores and film stuff. But he also oh, um, sort of led this um like bootleg Brandon Johnson T-shirt campaign. I don't know if you saw this all on social media, but there was like I did not. This whole, I think he was really involved in the Brandon Johnson campaign, which Love by the this. way, hell yeah, Chicago. Thank you for doing something <laughs> right for once. I know. Oh Actually my God. excited about this mayor. Oh, um, going from a fucking cop to right. uh, this yeah. guy. I'm yeah. so excited for you guys. Very exciting. Um, And yeah, Matt was involved with the campaign and he like, there was this kind of famously embraced by the campaign, uh, like bootleg t-shirt effort that they were into where it's like different artists did different designs boosting Brandon's campaign. And he, I think he sort of coordinated that. So anyway, still seems like a very interesting dude. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff going on out there. Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll take the temperature of <laughs> where folks are at next week and, you know, see what's going on, but yeah. What a fun time. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.